You're listening to Zap Nights Zap Chats, a monthly video game discussion. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Zap Chats. I'm your host, Danny, and today I have Don back again. What's up, buddy? Thanks for having me back, man. Always fun to talk to you about video games. It's nice, uh, you know, I, I know that you're a few states away now, so it's nice that we can, you know, with this Corona crap going on, that we can at least talk via <laughs> Skype. You're cutting into my game time, man. It's either, you know, working remote or gaming or talking about gaming, so. <laughs> That's how it's been for me, too. It's like work and video games. Can't do anything else. Can't go outside, so. Yeah, it's been a... a bit of a different twist on you know uh, a video game hobby for a while it's been nice to kind of you know revisit some of those things because you're cooped in the house yeah exactly so um what have you been playing lately oh you know for me you know you kind of mentioned it you know I'm, i'm central Illinois normally but i'm out on the east coast right now and so i had to have some stuff shipped out here uh to me uh thankfully you were able to lend me a hand with that so i uh (laughs) can't do without the games my modded Wii sent out here because that's that's a pretty massive collection that i can play uh on a pretty small footprint um so i've been playing a lot of guitar hero uh believe it or not nice Um, good way to jam out in the evenings and just kind of unwind um i have uh my xbox one out here so i've been playing some forza i've been playing a little bit of killer instinct Um, I've got my switch out here. Um, so I've been going through some Luigi's mansion three. I swore with this quarantine that I was going to pop in breath of the wild and I was going to force myself to beat it because I had all the time in the world to play it and I I haven't started it yet. So (laughs) I feel like a huge slacker in that arena, but between, you know, my Wii and my switch and my Xbox, I'm definitely staying entertained most days. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing Final Fantasy VII pretty much nonstop. Between Final Fantasy VII and a little bit of Animal Crossing on the side, um, yeah, that's been pretty much it. Uh, I I can't even remember. I think I had like almost 50 hours into Final Fantasy VII the first time through, and now I'm playing it a second time on Twitch. So it's, you know, it's a great game, but nothing beats the original and i think that that's kind of the topic that i want to go towards today is you know a lot of the original games like the old playstation one era games are being remade and re-released uh for the modern console for you know the new gamers and they're changing stuff drastically and it's not just graphically but it's gameplay wise too so i'm kind of curious how you feel about some of the things that you've seen for the remakes yeah, you know, and I know you and I have talked about this before because you've had me on air well, specifically when, you know, you talked about, you know, your play of Resident Evil and we talked about, you know, some of what was going on there when you were covering, you know, the original game on the, the PlayStation 1. That series of games has, has been being remade over the last, you know, several years and as an avid Resident Evil fan, you know, I'm desperately um wanting to get my hands on them um i don't have my ps4 set up with me out here and i haven't taken the time to start them but you know i think for a lot of hardcore gamers that are of our age you know when we were playing those old games you know at least for me i was a teenager so when the playstation came out you know and it was pushing you know those high def graphics and you look at some of the games that you talked about already like the final fantasy sevens you know the cut sequences in those games were like cgi full-on films you know you almost got a mini film sequence right in the middle of the gameplay and you were constantly fighting to get to the next video sequence to see yeah. the next cut scene and that could be like in a square onyx game that could be another 10 minutes of your life just set the controller down and watch the movie you know um so to be able to go back now you know as an adult in my 40s and see them pushing the power of you know, the PS4 and giving us full HD re-renders and doing it in a way that they're actually giving you the same game, but making it a new game. So the puzzles aren't the same. And so that you're reliving the same experience, but having a new experience at the same time, I think is, is truly great. You know, and I think for guys that are my age, you know, 
will easily open our wallet to pay for, you know, that re-experience to see what it looks like now. Because I don't know about you, but when I go back and look at PlayStation 1 games, the graphics are just, they're abysmal. They are, I can't yeah. even believe that it's like, there's polygons everywhere. But when I was, you know, a kid, I didn't see polygons, you know, but now it's like, it, it's just, it's really rough, you know. So to see those games in their HD glory, in full 4K, high def, you know, 60 frames a second. You know, it's just, it's nice. They look really good. And, you know, I appreciate that so much. But there's this fine line of recreating it faithfully and recreating it too much. <laughs> like, changing it up too much. Um, from the games that I've played, uh, the Spyro series was perfect. Like, it was a complete copy of the original games just completely re uh you know rescaled redesigned you know given the full HT HD treatment to it that you know it's it's basically the original game it just looks really good and then you have from what I've played the Final Fantasy 7 remake where they took the main game and they made it look really good and they just changed it so much that it's not even the same game really anymore, <laughs> you know? So, wow. you know, you kind of have to think of it uh, the way that I've been thinking of it. Like the final fantasy seven remake is its own separate game. If you want to play the original, you put in the original PlayStation game. If you want to play the remake, you put in the remake as two separate entities. And, you know, it's, it's just funny the way that they treat, you know, some, some of the remakes are really, really faithfully well done and recreated perfectly. And then other ones, they stray so far from the main game that it's hard to recognize it. Um, yeah. And I had played the resident evil series too. I played resident evil one and then I played the remake of it that they made a few years later. It wasn't a whole lot longer really, um, on the GameCube. And that, it was like the exact same game, the mechanics were all the same, but they added new puzzles and they changed the puzzles up so that you still had to figure it out. You see, you know, it still made it interesting for returning players. So from that aspect, I, I appreciate that. But it's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of torn with the way that they do it. You know, again, us, we've grew up with these games, so when they're introducing changes it's hard to pull away from that because you have such a strong attachment to the original to the base content that to see it remade and to see it to see it remade and like visually it looks amazing and then you start playing the game you're like this isn't it at all it's difficult <laughs> yeah so you're getting into that technical soup of are you really dealing with a game that's been remastered or are you really dealing with a game that's been remade so yeah sure Spyro, you know, where it's the exact same game, we're just giving it the HD treatment. That's more, you know, a remaster where, you know, like a remake, they are going to change stuff in the game. Um, and I think, too, you know, it's worth noting, and you hinted at it, but you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You can really take a remake, and if it's done abysmal and it, it's not well-received, like, it will go down as a horrible video game that won't sell units. Right. So rewind the clock, let's say 35 years. If you'd have told me then that, you know, 35 years later, I'd be chatting with my buddy on, you know, YouTube, which we didn't even know existed then. Right. About our favorite video games and video game history and having people tune in to listen to us talk about it. You know, I said, you're nuts. So <laughs> one of the things that, you know, is difficult, I think, sometimes for the game developers in today's age is you do have things like YouTube and Facebook and social media. And it's really convenient and really easy for someone like you or myself who grew up with these historical classics to just be able to shred someone in an open forum and go, nice attempt, but you ruined my childhood by remaking <laughs> this game because yeah. it's awful. Like you didn't give it the time. You didn't give it the financial backing. You know, you shortcut the development because we have access to all of that information now that we didn't have when we were kids. Like, we went to the video game store, a new game came out, and we played it. We didn't know how long it took them to development. We didn't know how long they'd been working on it. We didn't know about, 
now, you know, you can get into all these online controversies of, you know, hey, they 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 shorted development time on, you know, the graphics side to speed up this and that and the other. And you get more of a backstory and what goes into having these games developed, you know. How long were they redeveloping Final Fantasy VII? Was that like three years? No, a lot longer than that. I mean, they. Yeah. I think they originally announced it maybe five plus years ago, and then they they developed a big portion of it, and then they completely scrapped everything because they didn't like the direction it was going, and then started over again from scratch. So, I mean, yeah. I think the game we have now is maybe three years old, but, you know, the original, like push to start doing this has been going for a while i mean for me personally i've been wanting this since 2000 i mean i've been wanting a a, you know just final fantasy 7 and and i don't want this to turn into a final fantasy 7 episode but i mean final fantasy 7 out of all the games had the most problems Within the Final Fantasy series. Like, Final Fantasy VIII looked really good-ish. Final Fantasy IX looked really good. They, you know, all had hands and faces. And then you look at Seven and it just looks terrible. But you have this beautiful storyline to, to back you up. And then it's like, they remade it, and it looks beautiful, and it really needed a remake. But, you know, it, it it's, a, it's a remake. It's not just a HD redesign. It's completely remade from the ground up. It's new battle system, new story, new, you know, added story. It follows the same storyline, but I mean, you know, it's, it's a different game. So a lot of people who are knocking it for it being not true to the, to the source material, I, you know, it kind of goes both ways, you know? And I think that that was a developer problem too. Like they had to juggle that, how much change do they put into it to where it's still well received, but you know, still different. They absolutely deal with that on any of these projects, you know, and I think a lot of people, you know, if we're talking about, you know, the whole remake and there's a lot of them, you know, we've mentioned, you know, final fantasy and resident evil and Spyro, um, they're seeing even this year, 2020, there's more and more of these remakes coming out. So I think, you know, you're seeing the video game developers, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, they're just hitting the easy button and they're going to something that they know is a cash cow that they can make some money on rather than giving us new content. And to some degree, that's true. Yeah, I will agree. But when you're doing again, not to go back to final fantasy seven, but Mm. if you spent five years developing a game and you scrapped the first two years worth of development to start over, but you're losing money if you oh, don't yeah. end up making, you know, a good product at the end of the day. So better to to make that call from a development side and get the game going in a direction you want and not completely trash and tarnish, you know, a good name. You know, you, do, you don't want to put a, a negative strike against a game like Final Fantasy VII and doing a remake. You have to do it justice. So I don't think it's as easy as, oh, we'll just hit the easy button and put final fantasy seven on the, the box art and you know, it'll end up doing well. Like I said, in, in today's age of social media, I mean, you'll just get obliterated, you know, and I know in two in the resident evil, you know, uh, fandom, you know, even switching something like a camera angle, whether you go from over the shoulder to like in front or three quarter shoulder, like there's entire YouTube channels dedicated to where <laughs> the dang camera should be placed in a true Resident Evil game, like you move the camera and you completely alter and change the gameplay and you do, but it can alter and change the gameplay to the extent that a traditional fan would say, this is no longer a Resident Evil experience that I can relate to. Cause that's not where the camera was when I played. And I mean, you played the first game, like you couldn't run and shoot at the same time. You had to stop and spin and shoot and it was part of the mechanic. You had these right. tank controls that you had to learn how to deal with. You get rid of that, and now all of a sudden, this isn't the same experience that I had when I played this 30 years ago. But to your point, it's it's a new experience, and it's meant to be a new experience, and it's meant for them to be able to cash in on it. And in a lot of these cases, they're really digging back into the original development teams that made a lot of these games back in the day. And they're they're paying these developers good money to come back in as as consultants to work on these 
these remake and these remastered projects. And to me, that feels, you know, it feels like it's the right move. You know, you're spending a lot of money bringing this talent back in to, to do these titles justice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, to, to that point, I think that with them bringing those developers back in, you know, they, they had such a limitation when they were making these original games with hardware and, you know, what the, what the hardware and the software could do then that they don't have those limitations now. So they can take the original concept idea from the original development team and expand on, well, you know, we really wanted to go in a different direction for this, and then they can implement that, you know. So, you know, it, it you're you're absolutely right to bring in some of those developers is a great great idea. It just, you know, I, I it goes hand in hand. I mean, it, you can't change it too much cuz then you got the people who are whining about it. But, you know, ultimately they have to have something new. I mean, it would be kind of boring if all these games were exactly identical copies of the original. Yeah, and I know, uh, you know, you and I had talked about it before we got started, but, you know, even a game like, you know, Crash Bandicoot, you know, that's one that they're, you know, uh, remaking, you know, as well. Crash was huge for the PlayStation, you know, a little bit of a tangent, but, you know, we're talking about, you know, the hardware limitations, you know, when the PlayStation first came out and it was new, you're working with optical discs, so you're not dealing with cartridge media. They had to deal with getting the data on the disc and off of the disc and the read times of the lasers. So a lot of the developers were actually taking the time to orchestrate levels so that they would be written and burned to the disc in a concircular fashion. So that the next level or the next chunk of data that needed to be read was really close to where the laser was at you know, already. And that was them trying to code to the hardware. They were trying to get the most out of the efficiency from a coding perspective that they could, you know, without, you know, manipulating too much of the hardware as it was. And uh, I'll shoot you a link to one of the videos that I saw on Crash, but, you know, I wouldn't have known this 30 years ago because we didn't have access to social media like we have today. But there's some great videos out there on how the original developers of the Crash Bandicoot series really took a look at how the actual optical disc media was orchestrated and used a lot of swapping and, and compression in the audio algorithms and level to design to really push the PlayStation's memory utilization well past what was even documented. You know, the way they were swapping chunks of information in and out as the game was loading is what made it possible for them to build the levels that way. You know, and that was something that hadn't been seen 20-some years ago. So I digressed and, you know, come full circle. Now that you're swinging with, you know, a PS4 and you don't have to worry about having an entire team of coders trying to figure out how you're going to fit a 300-megabyte level on 35 megabytes worth of optical disc, mm -hmm. you know, you can really throw, you know, high def graphics and high def sound and build levels to the likes that you never, you know, could before they did a great job of it 25 years ago. Um, but a lot of that was coding around the hardware. And now that they don't have their hand strapped with that hardware limitation, what can you do? You know? Right. So it, it's kind of nice. And a lot of these concepts were brand new at the time. I mean, 3d, um, 3d gameplay platforming, that, that was all brand new. I mean, the PlayStation was competing directly with the Nintendo 64. I mean, all that was a brand new concept at the time. So to, to revisit it from a development point of view and, you know, design it in a way that works better now should just enhance the gameplay. Absolutely. And that's where games like Crash really stood out 20-some years ago. Mm hmm you know, Mario, you had your traditional side-scroller, but we never really had games where you were running ahead on screen and, you know, items were going past you as you were running up a course. Or there were even a few levels in Crash where he was running towards the camera and you'd see, you know, uh, uh, boulders, Boulder you know, Indiana Jones-style, right? But now you've created a whole other set of problems because, you know, as a player, you can't see, you know, what you're running towards until it comes on screen. So they had to deal with, you know, that limitation of where the camera was at and when objects would appear to you. Cause you still had to have time to dodge them or, you know, 
it, it was just an, a different style of, of gameplay that came out of them, you know, trying to think outside the box. And I think we still see a lot of that with the game development, you know, today. I'm really eager for one, you know, I know you and I have talked about Final Fantasy VII. That was a game that even 20 years ago, I just couldn't, you know, digest um, to play it myself. I loved watching other people play it, but I just couldn't get into the the controls and RPGs really weren't my thing. All the menus. Um, Yeah, but, you know, I've known for a long time that you've been an avid fan. And when you first started, you know, playing, I'm like, oh, are you are you streaming it? And you're like, nope, I'm just going through it for myself right now to be able to enjoy (laughs) it. And I was I got to admit, I was a little disappointed because I don't just want to watch, you know, footage of that game being played on YouTube by, you know, anybody. It's nice to be able to watch someone who, you know, I know you enjoy that series the way that you did because of the way you enjoyed it when you were a kid. So to be able to see it from my perspective through, you know, an avid players fans that way and, and, and to be able to say, oh, okay, you know, it's a different gameplay. I kind of like this, or I, I don't like this. This is a different storyline or where is this going? You, you get a different perspective on it. So I'm eager to get your feedback on it and to go out and check and see the footage that you got out there. Cause I've been wanting to see what they've done with, that remake, but I know it's a game that, you know, I will probably personally never play because I, I couldn't get into it 20 years ago. Yeah. And I think that that's something that they're, all of these remakes are trying to push is, is marketing to the, the new generation of gamers. So they're making games, not necessarily in the traditional style, like RPGs now, they don't have menu systems anymore. Maybe some of the, you know, you know, the the indie games that are kind of going that way are, but the new, you know, all the recent Final Fantasy games, none of them use the menu system like that. I mean, it's it's all more of an action-based gameplay. So, it makes sense, you know, to gear towards more of a, you know, a newer audience. Or maybe an audience like you who never really wanted to play the original because of the menu system was daunting or, you know, uh, reading, you know, page after page after page of dialogue where now it's kind of given to you a little bit easier to take and it's it's played in a way that's a little bit easier for more people. And that's kind of nice. That really is a nice aspect of it. Um, yeah, I've been playing, I've been playing on Twitch now for a little while. I think I have like three parts on there, like 12 hours worth and I'm playing a little bit more. So yeah, that's, that's on our second YouTube channel. It's, uh, Zap Night Plays where I'm putting all of my gameplay footage, the like raw stuff from Twitch. So that's where all that stuff goes. So you can check that out. Um, yeah, I, I finished Final Fantasy seven and I think that that's where a lot of the, a lot of these feelings are coming from because I did just finish it. It was like it's super faithful all the way through and then they did something at the very end that just rah, made me irritated. Oh no. <laughs> but I don't like the sound of that from, at all. From your point of view, you won't know a difference because oh, no. that yeah, will be I... the gameplay or the the story that you know. So you yeah. don't you don't know the difference, you know? So you know, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting concept. That that actually is going to be our next podcast episode um, coming out June first. So I'm excited to get that one recorded. But I'm still waiting for Kaylee to finish it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I know even the Final Fantasy games back in the Nintendo days. You know, I didn't like playing them because I'm more of a give me a sword and let me hit you know A to swing or B to defend or yeah. you know you get this menu system and it's like, you know, attack special, like, what am I doing? Like in the, the music will just play forever until you pick something. Like, it just didn't seem like to me in my mind, like that's not how fighting goes. Like now I've hit attack and my guy attacks and now I have to wait for you to hit me. Like, screw that. I'm going to hit you three more times if you're going to wait, you know, but <laughs> that whole turn based, I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it, you know? And then final fantasy seven wasn't as bad. I couldn't get through a lot of the menu system stuff where you had to move the pieces around to make your, your players more powerful. Um, I didn't understand that I could, could move those pieces around. I don't even remember what they were called cause it's been 20 some years, mm-hmm. but um, 
yeah, once I could see someone that understood the mechanic of the game play the game, it was much easier for me to sit back and say, here, you take the controller. Let me watch you play. And I again, breathtaking uh, cut sequences in Final Fantasy VII back on the PS1. But it again, you know, it, if you're telling me that the mechanics of the gameplay in the remake are new, it very well may be something that I would pick up and give a spin if it was more of the traditional... Let me just fight through this. I can tell you from the you know footage they've been dropping for the last couple of years in the trailers and the teasers, like it looks like it's very fast gameplay. It looks like we you get to see a lot of cool bosses and a lot of cool battles, and you know it looks like it's a really you know well done game. Now, I guess from my perspective, I would have to ask you: Did you feel like it was you know a seventy or eighty dollar investment wasted? I mean, did you feel like you got your money's worth out of it? Or? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I really, I without giving too much away for the next episode, but I really loved the game. Just, it's it's not the original Final Fantasy VII, and nothing can take sure. that away from me. But you know, it's it's a new game. It's a new experience. Uh, it's just with familiar faces. So again, you know, following that up, you know, we'll go back to the Spyro series for a second. You know, you said that's pretty much the same game with you know, a new HD lift, you know, if, if they're still charging, you know, are they charging 40, 50 bucks for that? Or is that, yeah, I, think it, I think that was like a $40 game. So that's not too bad, but I mean, you get into another gray area there too, where players are like, if it's legitimately the same game that I've played and I'm getting nothing new other than a texture remap, I'm not going to drop 60 bucks on a brand new, you know, retail game, the price of a retail, you know, this brand new on an old game that I've played already. Okay. Sell that to me for $35. Let's, I might, let's change that argument though. If you don't have the original game or the original hardware or any other way to play it, this is, you know, it's that same game that you played when you were a kid. Now it's just, it looks better, but you get to play it again on the new latest and greatest. Yeah, no. And, and there's, there's multiple ways to defend that argument. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm kind of following that up from my side. And again, it's, it's a little off topic when it comes to the remakes and the remasters, but at 43 years old, I think I've probably purchased in some fashion or another, Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3, you know, the original ROM, probably mm. 27 times. Like, I've, <laughs> I've bought it on the original NES. You know, I've, I've replayed it on, you know, the Wii ports. I've got access to them now through my Switch Online membership. Like, I, I don't want to buy the same old games over and over and over again. A lot of the companies are, you know, trying to cash in on, you know, the development that they've had in the past. And, you know, that does kind of fall in line with the remake and the remastered section. So at least they're trying to give you a little something extra. Um, You know, I know it gets kind of gray. You know, I know Nintendo, um, I wouldn't necessarily classify these as as remakes per se. They're not going back and, and completely redoing these games, but... You know, like with the Switch, there were a lot of the Wii U titles that, you know, never really got to see the light of day because the Wii U life cycle was so small. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've taken a lot of those games and they've ported them over to the Switch and, you know, they're they're selling units and they're selling units well. And Nintendo got a lot of flack, you know, for doing that because it's like, hey, you're just, you know, taking a game you already made and giving it to me on a new console and still charging 60 bucks for it. Mm-hmm. And in some instances the new switch versions are coming with like new character mappings or new levels that can be played that they're giving you something extra, you know, for that purchase. It's not just, Hey, here's the game that, you know, you already played on another console. So, right. I don't know. I think price definitely plays into that, but when you're talking a game like resident evil three or final fantasy seven, where you're dealing with full blown three plus years worth of development, Mm -hmm then okay, I'll, I'll open up my wallet and I'll give you the fifty nine ninety nine or the sixty nine ninety nine, and, you know, we'll, well call it good. And I think that games that are being developed today are a lot easier, and they will be a lot easier to upscale and pour out to not only other consoles, but to the newer generation. So, you know, they, they just announced um, 
not to go into development too much, another rabbit trail, but um, they just announced the Unreal Engine 5. So it's supposed to be the new engine that most developers are going to probably start using for like the PlayStation 5 and the new Xbox and so on. Um, And that can take the coding from the previous um, Unreal Engine 4 and upscale it and push it back out for the latest and greatest with all the new fancy bells and whistles. So, and I think that that's going to be a continuous trend, not just with Unreal Engine, but like with other development tools as well, where they're going to take these older, not necessarily super old, but stuff that was released maybe on the PS3, PS4, and they can upscale it or add, you know... Um, lighting changes, lighting development upgrades to these games that were just recently developed and then push them out again at another, you know, 50, 60 bucks. (laughs) Yeah. Which is sad, but, you know, if you're going to have the latest system, it's kind of nice to see these games with the latest technology put into them. But on the other hand, it's like... How much of that can we take? I mean, look at uh, uh, Skyrim. I mean, how many times has Skyrim been ported out, you know? so It's, it's comical. I mean, it's a right. joke at this point. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's a, it, it all depends on the direction that the developers take with it, you know? And we'll see. We'll see what the PS5 is going to be like. I'm very curious to see. Yeah, of any of those camps, you know, I mean, I was a Nintendo fanboy for many, many years. I cut my teeth on the NES and, you know, moved forward. And I was an early adopter of the Sony PlayStation when it came out. You know, I've never really been much of an Xbox fan, although I've I've dabbled in all of the consoles. You know me, I don't discriminate. The only thing I've really not done much of is PC gaming because I just rather enjoy gaming from the comfort of my sofa with a controller in my hand and not being, you know, at a computer terminal to do it, but anymore nowadays with HDMI output and our TVs being big monitors anyway, it's really about the same. Um, You just can't customize having a thousand dollar graphics card in your console. Like you can (laughs) in a PC, if you want to do VR or something crazy like that, but you know, you're really tipping on the iceberg of, you know, with gaming in general, there's going to be a shift in the force uh, within the next generation. Right. I think we're going to see, the, the secondary market of reselling games at GameStop disappear, you know, mm-hmm. digital content and, and buying that stuff from an online store is going to be the way to go. Um, you know, you're going to see the discs and load times start to fade. I know, um, God, I want to say it's Sony um, is already announced that you're going to have um, super high uh, speed SSD disc loaded up on the front of the PS five to cut down. Well, yeah. Right. Like, but it's going to drive the cost of the consoles up, you know, and I say that, but that's me having to remember that. Yeah. On day one, when a PS two launched, it was, you know, almost $400. And I think back and went, did I really spend $400 on a PS two back in the day? I did. I don't know. You know, if these new consoles get up into the five, $600 price range, if you know, they'll move, but they will, you know, the, the, Newer generation gamers that are out there definitely want the high def graphics, you know, the games that we're getting today, you know, gigabytes and gigabytes and gigabytes of data, you know, and it's not in levels. I mean, when you look at what Super Mario 3 took up in regards to to data on (laughs) a cartridge compared to, you know, hiring full out, you know, actors and full motion video sequences and video capture suits and, you know all of what they go through to put, you know, game development in play, you know, and, and things like um, massive multi-online player gameplay that we didn't have, you know, back in the day, you know, where we can literally blow a, a, a truck up, you know, on screen and some server has to be able to calculate for all 40 people playing in that game where that truck's going to drop and display it in real time, you know, the stuff that they're having to develop around today is, is a lot more powerful than what they had to develop for 35 years ago. So, but we get gaming experiences that, you know, we didn't have 35 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, 
even something as simple as, you know, them, you know, redoing NBA Jam, you know, in the arcade and the arcade one up port and them adding a feature for, you know, online gameplay where you can connect to other NBA Jam player cabinets and play across the Internet. Like that would have been amazing to play NBA Jam with people, you know, back in the day over the Internet. I had to play with the two guys that were sitting next to me on <laughs> one screen if I yep. could get two buddies to come over, you mm-hmm. know, so. I don't know. I don't really have a problem with, you know, the remakes and the remasters as long as, you know, they're done well. And we'll see, you know, what comes out the end of, you know, 2020. You're you're surely not going to please everybody. There are going to be some people that are going to be sadly disappointed. But and I think you kind of hinted at it a little bit, but I'll, I'll put it in a different vernacular. You know, there's an entire generation of people out there that have never experienced Final Fantasy VII. So for them to be able to buy the remake on the PS4 and to put it in for the first time and to play a really awesome game with a really amazing storyline, with really amazing graphics, and to get an excellent game out of it, you know, they may not even know they're playing a game that's 30 years old. Yeah, Dad may have went to the store and said, hey, this looks cool, and throw it in, and that was an awesome game, and then they find out that, you know, yeah, that game really came out, you know, 30 years ago and it was a lot <laughs> less cool back then, but, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, to be able to reintroduce that that game to, you know, another generation of gamers, that's, you know, a completely different layer to the onion and I don't know, as someone who grew up on games, I think that's cool. You know, it, it's not always easy to do, you know. Yeah. They've tried to do it, you know, over the years with games like Pac-Man and you you can only reinvent Pac-Man so many ways before it's just not Pac-Man anymore. Yeah. And you're like, what have you, what have you done? You know, it like, seems like they transformed it into a platformer at some point. <laughs> like, they did. How, how do you how do you make Pac-Man a platforming game? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> no. So there's been, and again, those those might not be full on, you know, remakes. Right, those yeah. I think are just companies that are trying to capitalize on the popularity of a character. And you take it down a different, you know, development tangent that just ultimately doesn't work, right? You know? Um, But, I mean, like I said, even in the Resident Evil series, they've gotten a lot of flack for, you know, moving camera angles around and, you know, um, again, not full-out remakes. But there's been a couple of Resident Evil games that have been made in the series that, you know, really diverge from, you know, what you're used to getting in those games. And they're development choices that were made people like them or they don't like them and now we can go to you know social media and rant about them all we want and <laughs> the whole internet knows about it now exactly yeah. you, you can know day one when it comes out like and that's that's kind of sad too like i mean i don't know if you purposely had to um avoid you know like youtube feeds yes. while you were playing but like day one the game comes out at midnight <clears throat> and by three o'clock in the afternoon the next day all of the HD sequences are now available for download on YouTube because people mm-hmm. are recording and streaming and uploading. And, you know, I, I find it completely amazing that there were games that I never played back in the day, you know, old school retro stuff. And I can go out to YouTube now and watch the whole game from front to end and never have to play a thing. Yep. Because someone's taken all of the sequences and, and spliced <laughs> it all together and just made a YouTube video out of it. And it's like, here's the whole game in 22 minutes. It's like, it's cool to some aspects, but in other aspects, it's like, man, I, I think I really would have liked to have played that. Well, and from what you were saying about avoiding social media, it was like that. I mean, hardcore, when Seven, even through the development stages of Seven, when they're announcing new stuff, like, I wanted to go into this game completely oblivious to everything. I wanted no spoilers. I wanted no imagery inputted into me outside of playing the game myself. And Absolutely. so, you know, it, it did, it took, you know, I've scrolling through Instagram like I do and there's a picture of cloud. I'm like, Nope, 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 move, move on. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, yeah. all these, all these YouTube videos that are popping up in my feed and I'm like, ah, I want to watch these, but I want it to be this raw experience. And, you know, for the first for the first while of Final Fantasy VII, it was just like, oh my gosh, this looks amazing. And then you started playing the gameplay, and it's like, oh, this isn't what I was expecting. And, oh, this isn't quite 
how I imagined this. They were going to do things this way, but you know, you get used to them and you learn to love it for what it is. And you know, I think that that's kind of how it was when the original games came out too. You buy it for, you know, probably the cover looks awesome. You pick it up, you throw it in your, in your system. And it's sometimes it's a awesome game and sometimes it's not so great. So (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I've had, you know, the, the fortunate experience, too. There's a lot of great YouTube channels out there. Um, and I don't know if you've you've caught it before, but um, the Video Game Historian mm-hmm. does a really good job of covering retro games, and he gets into the history of the development, and you get a lot of good backstory on where they were pulling developers from and, you know, where legal battles were happening over characters. And, you know, like I said, as someone who's 43 now, you get a different perspective on, you know, why did Super Mario 2 look so much different from 1? And why did 3 look a lot more like 1, but 2 is just, just like, you know. <laughs> yep. It's cool to be able to go back now as an adult and get the backstory on, you know, how they did that and why they did that. And, you know, how games, you know, regionally are accepted. So, and I don't know, you might be able to answer this. I'm, I'm Resident Evil, I don't think, has a huge following, you know, uh, overseas. I mean, they have different names in the Resident Evil series. You know, they're known more like by Biohazard, you know, in the Japanese regions mm-hmm. where we just get Resident Evil. Um, you know, I know there's different gameplays. You know, the, the Japanese folks are, are willing to play a tougher game and to battle through a game that's much harder to play where us gamers are typically want a good challenge, but you know, I'm all right with it, you know, not being ridiculously complicated to, you know, play through and, you know, you want it to be tough enough, but not so tough to the point where people are demanding a refund for their money. Cause they can't play the game, you know? So, yeah. I wonder yeah, if that's actually that, happened. I yeah. just, I feel like they're the games that they dumb down for Americans. It's silly to me. Like I like playing games and this is the biggest reason why I play games on the original systems with the original hardware. I, I like playing it for what it is. And I like playing these games the way the developers built them and intended them to be played. So like to have a game that you find out later, Oh yeah, that was the dumbed down version for Americans. It's like, really? <laughs> like That's <laughs> bogus. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into, you know, those development choices. Um, I'm sure it was a, a, a YouTube article uh, or a YouTube video that I had watched. Um, you know, but a lot of these video game houses, even if you're coming out fresh out of the gate, you know, you got two options, you know, you go shallow and you put, you know, let's say an eighth of your budget for the year into eight different games and you may not make, you know, a billion dollars, but you're still going to survive and you can make more games tomorrow or you go big and you put your entire budget for development cost into a single game and pray to God that it makes money. Cause if it doesn't, everybody's out of a job and you guys can all go work for some other studio. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the, the history of even of a game, like, you know, gears of war, you know, those people were all close to being unemployed. And it was like, we got to come up with a title that's going to sell units or we're screwed, or we can try to make two or three halfway decent games, you know, over the span of the next two or three years. But there just isn't a lot of money left in the company and everybody voted to, you know, go all in and they made gears and it's a huge franchise now. I mean, like it's, it's epic, but sometimes when you're under pressure like that from a development side, good stuff comes, you know, well, out of those, those cruxes. Back then a development team was maybe 12 people, you know, 24 on a high end game. Now you're talking thousands of people for one game. You know, you've got a whole, you know, graphic team of like, you know, 300 people that are working on the graphics, the the visuals alone. And then you got a different team working on the coding and that's another, you know, 50 guys. And so, you know, you got to make these games anymore. You got to have a bigger team to be able to figure all that out or, you know, you cut corners and you make it work the best you can, or you have a really long development time. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. 
and they're getting pretty creative with how they handle a lot of that. Um, you know, they're even outsourcing some of that development, you know, for free to people who want to dabble and, you know, get their names in game notes. And there's a lot of different stuff that development houses are doing to try to make money on these games. But, you know, to be in a billion dollar industry and with consoles still flying off the shelves, like, yeah, I mentioned it earlier. We're at a tipping point. There's a shift in the force. I think we're going to see video games as you and I know it change. You know, mm-hmm. the days of putting in a disc uh, are all but gone, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. Um, games are still going to be around. I just hope that, you know, we continue to get some really cool stuff coming, you know. Yeah. I really am eager to see what, you know, this next generation of the PlayStation can do. Um the backwards compatibility with PS4, PS3, PS2 stuff, you know. It's so far I, it's still just rumors, but man, if it's I true, know. it's gonna blow the system out of the water. It's gonna be amazing. For for guys like you and me, like that's for me, that's a day one early adopter. Mm-hmm. Like if that is a feature that eventually hits like advertisement, like as an official sign me up, like take yep. my money. Like I don't, you know, no more poor emulation. Like we can just put the discs in and play the originals, you know, that's a huge feature. Um, and of course the games, you know, seeing what types of new games are coming out for these new platforms, you know, are going to be huge. And I think, you know, to sum that back up with where we started here, you know, I think we are going to continue to see remakes and remasters of a lot of games in the years to come. Cause there's a lot of great titles that are out there that maybe due to the development cycle they had 20 years ago and the team they had just didn't get the love that it needed then. And if you can put some new hardware at it and maybe some development costs and maybe you're not on as an accelerated of a timeline as you were 20 years ago, maybe we can see a game that was, you know, mediocre 20 years ago turn into something that, you know, is really an awesome experience on some of this new hardware. So I'm all for it. Yeah provided it's done well and it's, i know it's exactly done with you know the time and the love and the tlc that's needed to you know stay in the the true vein of what you know those games were don't just put you know resident evil on the box and you know know it's going to sell sell units it needs to be done from a a player's point of view i mean they they have to be able to see it and feel the game as it's going to be played not just yeah, it looks pretty, you know, <laughs> and and Absolutely. I think I think that there's a fine line between you know it's a great game and it's a bad game, and if you don't put enough effort into that, it can go from being a great concept to just falling flat, you know. But I mean it that's that's with anything. Can. I mean that's with movies. That's with any sure. literally anything. With gaming, it is a little bit different, you know. I know. Um, some folks uh, who, you know, I have younger kids um, that are in their, you know, 11, 12, early teenage years. You know, they're used to games being high def graphical adventures, you know, going back and looking at a game like, you know, Mortal Kombat, you know, in the NES and it, mm-hmm. it being as pixelated as it was like kids of that generation nowadays, like it blows their mind that crappy games like that were made. And, you know, we, we accepted that as, you know, something we would spend 50, 60 dollars. It's all we had. You mm-hmm. know, you, you didn't have these full-on media productions. You didn't know I mean, the difference. Heck, I, don't, I don't know if you ever played Sega CD games, but, you know, Sega CD games were some of the first games that ever had full motion video mm-hmm. in the games themselves. And if you go back and look at them today, horrible. Horribly pixelated. The video was compressed. The audio was compressed. The way they did it was just atrocious. But it was full motion video in a game. And I would plop my money down every single time to be able to play, you know, a movie. And that's really where games have come, you know, over the last 20 years is we're now in control of a movie, in control of a character, you know, and, and where that character goes, what that character does, you know. Some of these games nowadays, it's, you know, one death and you're done. Like, your character dies, you're dead. Start over from the beginning. Like, you can save progress, but your character dies or your ship gets blown up. Like, 
start over. You don't have a ship. Like you lose it all, you know? <laughs> That's tough, man. Like I I can't imagine putting three or four hundred hours into a game to have someone on my team blow my ship up and steal all my loot and me have to start over again. <laughs> like I would literally lynch somebody. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm done, <laughs> but it's a, it's a different type of game, you know, and it's all about, you know, what you want to play and you know, what's available. And I, I think it's going to be exciting to see what's coming with, with these new remakes and, and with these new consoles and, and hopefully what we get to see this Christmas season, you know, hopefully this COVID stuff hasn't, you know, push the launch of those systems out. You know, I know that it's all rumored to this point, but you would think that these video game companies would still want to capitalize on, you know, the, the holiday season of this year. Cause that's when they were supposed to launch, but yeah, it's tough. I don't know if you, you miss Christmas, it, it almost seems like you'd be waiting a whole nother year. They're not going to just delay by a few months. And, well, and the games that are launching. in development to launch for Christmas, it they this is their crunch time like they're they're if they're not able to work in some aspect or they're limited on their time working on some of these games that are going to release on christmas i don't think they're going to make it yeah and that's that's the tough part you know you got to have games that launch or the consoles won't you know won't sell um you know and you got to have the exclusives and you know so we'll see it'll be interesting to see you know what comes of it so yeah, very interesting. Well, um, man, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, you know, your listeners that are out there, thanks if you know you're still tuned in. It's always fun chatting video games, and uh, Danny and me have a lot of fun playing games, but we also have a lot of fun, you know, talking about them. And I can't thank you enough. Uh, every time I get a chance to sit down with you and to just chat about, you know, my childhood, it's it's always amazing to just relax back and, and talk about what's happening in the video game world. And I just want to thank you for having me on here. Great, and, and, yeah. Uh, oh, I appreciate happy, it. Happy to have you on. And I, I love, I love talking with people who have the same passion that I have for video games. That's, that's what, that's what I wanted to start this podcast for was to talk with people who have this passion for games. So it's, it's great having you on, man. It is a passion, but you know, to your point, we talked about it today. It's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> it can be. Sometimes yeah. we love these games, and then sometimes we just hate what they've done to them. You know, <laughs> it's my childhood that you're, you know, you're toying well, with there you when know, you go to when remake this stuff. That's that's exactly it. We have such a passion for these games that it hurts when somebody doesn't put their full effort into them. And, you know, we see that. That doesn't just fly under the radar. I mean, when somebody half-asses graphics or they half-ass the gameplay, us gamers, we're going to know about it. I mean, yeah. it doesn't fly. <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. All right. Well, I think we're going to end the podcast here, guys. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Zap Chats. Um, the next, like I said before, the next episode should be Final Fantasy VII Remake. That'll be June 1st. So if you're interested in that at all, make sure you check us out at zapnight.com where you can see everything we've got going on. And we'll see you guys in the next one. <laughs>